WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshall guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. And it's you. It's me. <laughs> I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we have been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Becky. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it's really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk live here on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Happy birthday to the good doctor. Hopefully you are out and about, whether taking in services, commemorating the good doctor's work, maybe seeing the new statue, the embrace. Um, Maybe you took the day to reflect. But we have, as always, a fantastic show lined up for you. Uh, I pride myself on putting together a show that is... Good conversation, some of the up-to-date things that are going on in certain areas of our Commonwealth, on the South Shore. Uh, we don't talk at sound bites here. We do our best to give you depth to what's going on, and I take a lot of pride in doing that. And until there's no longer a breath in my lungs, or Eddie Perry shows me the door, I'll continue to do that. I think Ed Perry will show me the door before you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I could try to debate that, but I, I don't think I should. No, no. I don't think I should. That voice you hear uh, is uh, an ind- individual who serves you on the county level, Plymouth County Commissioner, Chairman, Thank newly you. minted chair yes. of the Plymouth County Commissioner. Commissioners is Jared Valenzuela. Also, he is the host, uh, the sole proprietor of the <laughs> JV team, while he may have other voices that are joined with the Corey and Tom. Yeah. Um, I hope I hope you I hope you're charging New Boston Post for every time that Tom opens his mouth seconds into your show. I know I, I tell him to just get it out of the way, but we're we're working on that. He's he's uh, Tom has been a nice addition. Of course, My, we lost Miles to Miles on Motorsports, so <sighs> another great offering here on on WATD. But it's always a pleasure to be you're back good. here. Right? It's always a. I had no idea the South Shore of Massachusetts had a, a demand for NASCAR content, but you know what? That's the beauty of WATD is providing the platform for so many of us to bring some of our fun and and thoughts to the to the airwaves. But a pleasure to be on the legendary Monday Night Talk again with you, Kevin. As I've said before, this is where it started generally for me doing this. You had me on many years ago, off and on, and, and it's always a pleasure to be back. I do note, though, listening to the intro... How many? Four, I don't think you have a single currently. Maybe Mayor Headland might yeah. be the only one yeah, in that. He was, he was a senator then, though. He was a senator then, but he's still. I, I don't think anybody in that intro is elected to anything anymore. Yeah, I think no, it's all uh, no, former uh, office no, Congressman Stephen oh, Lynch. Right, Stephen Lynch. Okay. Uh, uh, Ming Tsai still does simply Ming. Okay. On GBH. Right. 
I meant right. just the electeds. Are you? But you're right. Former the, Governor Baker, now Suzanne Bumped, going to be right. the former yeah. auditor. Uh, I've, and I've former had, Rep Deal, and I've had former Mayor Sullivan. <laughs> I have had um, a couple of guests. I've had even a sponsor or two who said, "You know, you got you to change. You got to change it up." I will. No, I think it's great. But but the thing is, is that I got I want to find good enough. First off, I got to show it because I realized. Yeah, probably six years ago that it was probably way too long, but it just... No, I think it's great. Just like anybody else. It's I have a lot going on, and it's right. not necessarily in, in Mr. Toshi's <laughs> top 25. <laughs> right. You know, I need to find a way to swap out different sound cuts. Yeah. Although, and I'll, I'll also mention, don't forget, you are a good friend of ours, Mr. Joe Rossi. Rossi, yes, he's Mr. in Mr. and Mrs. Joe Rossi. Yes, right? he's still in there, the, the former, your former co-pilot. That's right. And right. and I think along with him, where they were kind of making fun because I am not a... Marshfield I, I sneak over the border from Duxbury to right. come and do the show. You have uh, a Plymouth County uh, District Attorney, Tim Cruz. That's right. So That's he's right. in there as well. That's so. right. Okay, so you have a couple of still electors. I got it mixed in, and you could do have Steve Grossman who's in there. For another form of Mr. Mr. Give me a scoop of ice cream. Hold on, I got a quick idea. Larry, ready? Isolate this. <laughs> if it's Monday night, it's going to be Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. I could do that myself, though. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forget. You're not like me. I need to harass the producers for... No. (laughs) Um, But uh, just just so we can... So Jared is on. uh, We're going to... You know, he is now the chair. Give him an opportunity to talk about here. We are New Year 2023. Hard to believe. Let's... You know, we're going to find out about the county commissioners. What's ahead for them? Uh, so many different, uh, you know, items that we can touch upon, talk about, not, not to mention on other levels of government and how how it'll have an yeah, effect for sure. on the county level. So we'll talk with Jared about that. We have a gentleman who formerly was a county commissioner, but he is also a, a veteran, uh, a um, a retired Navy SEAL. I believe he's a commander uh, when it comes to the VFW post mm-hmm. in Whitman. Uh, they got a comedy night coming up on February 28th. Great. This, this will raise funds for uh, the veterans and for the uh, the VFW. So he's going to come in and he's going to promote that. Our number two. Uh, usually when it comes to civil rights, when it comes to uh, the good doctor's birthday, uh, we do have a conversation about it. And we have joining us. He is back. Uh, Bishop Tony Branch. Uh, Tony, not only is the first vice president of the Brockton area, uh, NAACP, uh, but he also serves on the uh, the diversity uh, uh, the commission in Brockton. He is the chair of the commission on diversity. So he will be uh, stopping by. And as though we don't have enough Brockton conversation, uh, new council president. So see, you're not the only one who's ah. who's who's talking about. Getting the gavel and what they what their vision is, Susan DeCastro, Ward Four oh, City Council. Congratulations to her. Yep, she's she, been on our advisory board for many years, so a great relationship with her and a staunch advocate for Brockton. Yeah, she and we'll look to and that might be one of the things I'll ask her about is yeah. the serving in. I think she might also be now on the uh, Central Plymouth great. Water District Commission. And congrats so. to Jack Lally on a great year himself. So great job, good good group of people. So we'll we'll look to talk to uh, Susan, all that and more in just a few moments. But. If this thing called civilization was going to end, I think it would have ceased during one of the two world wars. My grandparents never gave up. They worked and lived till the bitter end, which wasn't bitter at all. Actually, it was sweet. Their life was sweet. I want my life the same. I want to work, coach my kid's soccer team, go out to eat after, and then come home to my bed where I can rest my bones. 
then get up and do it all again tomorrow. That's what I want. That's what I'm working for. And that is my American dream. I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other. We're all in this together, and together we can have our American dreams. As long as we're willing to do what is necessary to survive on this marble called Earth. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best smoke shop in Massachusetts and now New Hampshire. Brennan's Smoke Shop, customers must be 21 years of age or older, and proper ID is required. Monday Night Talk on Twitter. Start at 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And don't forget to add hashtag Monday Night Talk to your tweets. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. You are back tuned into Monday Night Talk. It is it is not recorded. It is live. I'm in a Tom Brady jersey. You are in a, you are in one of my eleven. One of your eleven, and not to mention that you are uh, a felt. Yes, this is like a dress now. I should say it's my Tom Brady dress. And so you have you have shed a couple of LBs. Yeah, a little bit, about ninety five pounds wow. since August. Yeah, that's yeah, like absolutely. a like a sixth grader. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, my uncle has has made a good point. Take all the weight I've lost, put it in a bag, and try and carry it around all day and see how well I do. And um, you know, for me, I I never. You know, I, I my mother cooked growing up. I moved out on my own. I'm single, and like anybody living on their own, you know, it's always been customary to buy the bag of lettuce that you just throw out after three days because it goes bad. So uh, I fell a lot into some really poor eating habits, and admittedly, we know, all do. Yeah, we all do. And society, absolutely. And being in politics, you're out, and you're not. You're always on the move. You don't generally keep a regular schedule, and. Uh, it got a little out of hand, so thankfully, um, the great team at South Shore Medical Center referred me to a fantastic um, bariatric surgeon, uh, Dr. Neil Goucher, who works out of Mass General. Um, fantastic uh, work, him and his team, and it isn't just a, a slice, you dice, you send, you're on your way. Fantastic team of nutritionists and dietitians that really, for me, have helped recalibrate the thought process. And what's amazing, Kevin, I know we don't want to belabor it too much, but what I think is great for me is I have a sweet tooth, oh but you gosh. know what? I can Who have doesn't? Quest, Quest, which is like a protein type comp, a protein company, makes these great peanut butter cups. You can't tell the difference, except it's 11 grams of protein instead of 500 calories yeah. and 1,000 grams of sugar. So uh, it's just making those little changes. But for me, I needed really to... To, to get in the right mindset, and uh, it's a lot of work. You know, it's funny. People think that doing bariatric surgery is maybe an easy way out. It's the complete opposite. It's actually a very difficult process. It's a very difficult way out. Um, but for anybody out there that might be considering it, it's it's never too late to get your health under control. My blood pressure was starting to tick up. It's back down to normal. Cholesterol was ticking up, back down to everything is completely normal. Well, as normal as I can be being a Republican in Massachusetts, but uh, at least at least the uh, at least the vitals are normal. <laughs> before before we jump into you 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 know being um, becoming the new chairman yeah. of the of the commission uh, the county commissioners um, talk about you have a new a new administration. Yeah, absolutely. You, most of your constitutional offices are indeed they're women. Except five out for, of six. Yeah, five out of six, except yeah. for Bill Galvin, who, yeah. is, who is your Secretary of State. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's 
we had this conversation not too long ago, and we're talking about the Republicans right. in Massachusetts. Great and conversation, by the way. I, I was in actually in Florida visiting Tom. You Ray were, and you were, and you were actually you were you were one yeah. of the ones that were um, asked to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, but you offered alternatives, and they were great. Uh, Greg, Greg Eaton did a uh, fantastic mm-hmm. job, as did Allison Sullivan. Um, and so, now that you no longer have a, a Charlie Baker, I feel I feel as though having a Republican in the executive office kind of gave, gave a little bit, it gave somewhat of a balance. Not a lot, yeah, but it, it, yeah, it did. But now it's kind of you've you've kind of it's like. I've always said I think Governor Baker, for me as a as a as a ideological Republican and a conservative, I think Governor Baker took what w- things that would have ordinarily been awful and made them bad, <laughs> right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that I've noted, and I've met Governor Healy, I met her when she was Attorney General. Uh, actually, not too long after she was sworn in, I, I met her. I rode the elevator with her because I was working for Bob Headland at the time. Just happened to be leaving and get in the elevator, and there's the attorney general. Um, I've always found her to be be nice. I mean, she's she's pleasant. She's not like her predecessor uh, in the attorney general's office. So um, I will say this. You know, one of the things that I I think for me as a Republican was certainly having the access to Governor Baker, Lieutenant Governor Polito. No longer do I have that access, but but in all honesty, that access now flips, right? Mm. So now that access flips to Treasurer O'Brien and Commissioner Hanley, um, who are my colleagues at the county level, two Democrats. They now have the access to the governor's office where Commissioner Wright and I used to formally have it. I would argue we didn't have a whole lot. I think Governor Baker was in the vein of his mentor, uh, Governor Weld, in terms of his attitude towards counties. Mm. So I will say I'm optimistic with Governor Healy that we can have an honest and good conversation, and I think she's willing to have those conversations about what ca- county government can do in Massachusetts if given some of the tools to succeed. Um, the Her predecessor was not interested in that. He sent a letter to Congress asking us to not take, not give us ARPA money. Uh, he had previously demanded... ARPA we money get, or cares? Uh, well, cares. he sent a letter to Congress when they were passing ARPA saying count Massachusetts counties out of ARPA with CARES same thing, Kevin. He demanded that the county give our $90 million worth of CARES money to the state. Good thing we didn't because the state ended up giving money back to the federal government because they couldn't use it all. So um, he'd filed an outside section of the budget to study the potential elimination of the remaining counties in Massachusetts. So ideologically, as a Republican, I, I don't like seeing us lose offices. I don't care if they are left, middle, or right. Uh, I don't like seeing Republicans lose offices. But taking that partisan hat off and putting on strictly the Plymouth County hat. I'm optimistic to see what we can do with Governor Healy and her administration. And I think um, she may be a little more amenable and a little more open-minded to what county government can do and giving us the tools and the opportunities to provide some of those uh, services that we see ourselves being able to provide down the road, whereas the previous administration may not have been so willing to have that conversation. How far into the opera funding uh, is the county as far as dispersing it? Uh, and, and are we talking there's still a few years of of monies that yeah. you will because it's also it's also being distributed differently, correct? Yes, it is. So ARPA was um, so the CARES Act was given a couple of deadlines, deadline extensions. So the CARES Act was very helter skelter. ARPA was a three year program with five years suspended. So folks, communities have until December thirty first, twenty twenty four, to submit applications to Plymouth County. 
currently right now we've sent out check cut deposited into our towns uh, a little over 12 million dollars uh, some of the highlights include four million dollars to the city of brockton for champions high school uh, another two and a half or two and a quarter million to the town of plymouth for their wastewater treatment and marshfield and duxbury 1.7 million 1.8 million respectively again um, for water upgrades a lot of our communities are looking into that um, but we're working with other towns and other communities that may not have a, a shovel-ready water project uh, at their avail uh, at our last meeting on uh, February, I'm sorry, January 6th, uh, we voted to release, we, we do these in phases, and we voted to release the full cap of funding. So all of our communities are not cap allocation. So all of our communities are fully aware now of what their allocation number is from Plymouth County. And uh, towns have been applying, and, and it's been admittedly slow. I think it's been slow, Kevin, because we did the CARES Act. So, so many communities in Plymouth County benefited from receiving two and a half times more money from the CARES Act than like-sized communities outside of Plymouth County, mm. that a lot of the needs that we're seeing come up in Bristol, Norfolk, and Barnstable counties, who also did ARPA, they did not do CARES, they're doing ARPA, they are expending more of their funds quicker, whereas in Plymouth County, because we were able to fill that gap with CARES, there isn't, and I don't want to say there isn't an immediate it's a slower need. draw. It's a slower draw, and, and I think there's a lot of immediate needs for our communities, sure. but it, they're not clamoring for it like the other ones. Um, and, you know, in the last point on the CARES Act, $19 million for the city of Brockton was the second most money given to any community in the Commonwealth aside from the city of Brockton. So we're very proud of CARES, and we're really proud of ARPA, and we're proud so far of the direction that's going, and we're very pleased with, with the program so far. Not to name any communities... But I find it interesting that that mostly all the communities in Plymouth County came around when there were a few who were like, uh, uh-uh, nope, we will not yeah. go against what uh, the 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 Baker Polito administration sure. was seeking. Uh, we will not accept those monies. And then, slow, you know, lo and behold, uh, they were you know they have to submit paperwork and right. and checks were were we're you given. know were given and they were ceremonies. How does how does that make you feel as County commissioner, that 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 you know what it was, it was slow. They were slow to come around, but right. once they did, wouldn't you say that they were a little bit more? They were grateful that they did, in fact, oh, decide yeah. to say we'll take that help. Absolutely, you know, I I and I have to give the credit, and I forgot to do this at the top, but a lot of credit to Commissioner Wright, Commissioner Hanley, my predecessor, Commissioner Dan Pallotta, and Treasurer Tom O'Brien. They they took those slings and arrows in March of 2020 when they decided to take take cares. Mm. And then I got elected in November, sworn in in January. So as Treasurer O'Brien likes to joke, it's been all roses for me <laughs> since I showed up. Um, it, it is nice to be validated, though. I think my my belief at my core with any government is a government, local government is best government and keeping it as close to home as possible is great. Um, we have gone out, I have gone out, Commissioner Wright, Commissioner Hanley, Treasurer O'Brien, the four of us have, whether it be together or, or, or individually, have attended dozens and dozens of selectmen meetings, select board meetings, city council in Brockton. We're, we're local. We're at their disposal. We are available to come in and answer questions. And you're not getting, in no slight on the state, but you're not getting the bureaucrat. You're getting the commissioners. You're getting the treasurer. You're getting the people that are making these decisions. You're getting the people that are running this program. And we are available and we're local. And I think that's the that's the advantage we offer with Plymouth County. And that that's what I'm hopeful 
um, Governor Healy and her administration will hopefully see in these next coming years is what advantages the county can bring to the table. Um, and that to have that vindication that was great, you know, you, you touched on it. Every, not every, a, a solid amount of communities did not want Plymouth County to do CARES. Uh, a good amount of them did. You know, Marshfield uh, was one of the few that were in our corner the whole way through. Mm. Uh, now every community to a T wants us to do it. I mean, the letters we get now relative to ARPA um, thanking us for doing ARPA, because ARPA is very complicated. The reporting's complicated, and so many communities receive their own money anyway. Plymouth County is at the avail to help them decipher what they can and can't use their own money on. So we've been able to provide so many compliance services to these communities that they otherwise would have had to have sourced themselves, pay for themselves. Uh, we're able to provide that for them. So we're really proud of that. And I think, again, it demonstrates what county government can do in Massachusetts uh, when given the tools to succeed. Now, other than me serving as a Plymouth <coughs> County Commissioner, you've been on other committees, um, whether it's for building committees, yeah. um, health boards, whatever. whatever. Is this your first time chairing? Have you held the gavel previously for, for for other committees? That's a good question. I was chair, so in Rockland, I was elected to the planning board. I was the clerk. Um, I have been on the school building committee for 16 years just as a member. I did chair the charter committee, um, both the previous iteration I was on and then the, the, the more newer one before I resigned when I assumed... Um, Assume my role is this, as is in Rockland so. Charter Review or was Charter Review, yeah. Okay, it's a Charter Review Commission. So no, this is this will be um, this is def, but this is definitely I think the first time I've chaired will chair an elected board, uh, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, but I do have to say, and I, and I think I've said it all along, um, I still recognize with three individual members. I think for me being a chairman is running a meeting, running a fair meeting, an effective meeting, making sure that we get the work of the county done, and being respectful of our staff's time, of visitors' time. Um, but I still recognize we're three individual members, and we all bring our strengths, we all bring weaknesses, but making sure that all three members, well, two, because obviously I'm going to make sure I feel heard myself, <laughs> but making sure Commissioner Wright and Commissioner Hanley uh, are able to bring their issues and items that they want to bring forward, and I'm confident I'll be able to do that. Uh, we work tremendously well together. Certainly, we we have had our disagreements, but we have them respectfully. We have them politely. We sort them out, and we move forward with what is best for the county. And uh, and I'm very ecstatic that they they've deemed me within two years of, of being worthy of serving them as their chairman. And that's how I look at it. Um, and I know there are some folks who who look at being chair as, as a big grandiose, and it is. I, I don't want to sound like I'm diminishing it, but um, I'm really excited to, to lead them this next year, and, and I'm honored that they've given me the opportunity to do so. As, as a chairman, first time in, in such a position, you're the type of guy who will set goals, or is it you take issues and items as they come? I mean, do you have a vision yeah. for you, what you want to accomplish during your time as leading the, those meetings in, the, in this commission? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, Kevin. You know, I, I set goals when I was elected. Some of them have been achieved. Some of them um, not not as uh, have not been achieved yet. Um, you know, one of the things, and I think we forget this, uh, you know, being elected, or before I was elected, I think even I lost sight of it, is sometimes the things you run on may not necessarily be the things you act on. Four, I have a four-year term. Four years is, I can't believe it's a long time because it's already two years in. <laughs> two years in. But um, I always set goals. My my goal is, is chair this year is to continue to see through some of the things that I have already been working on and supporting Commissioner Ryan and Commissioner Hanley and the things they're working on. Commissioner Hanley spearheaded a sister county program with Ireland. 
Um, Commissioner Wright is spearheading a potential gun range for our police officers and and uh, uh, public safety in the county. Certainly, I've spearheaded um, the Woodlot uh, project uh, as well as uh, being the liaison for ARPA. So, so I think our goals remain the same. Um, but also being respectful and mindful that there are going to be other things that inevitably pop up that just weren't on our radar. And um, being at the ready and being being um, being able to pivot to reacting to what those what those items may be. And again, just just being able to run a good meeting. I will tell you, it was you know different because I've it's been Commissioner Wright was chair for the last uh, year and a half and. Uh, it was different not making the motions, <laughs> you know, so uh, it was different having everyone address Mr. Chairman, you know, I've been used to Madam Chair. So that that was a little different, but uh, I'm excited to just get going and again, continue to work with and encourage uh, my colleagues um, on the board to to be able to just continue to help them follow through on the things they want to do as they've helped me attempt to follow through on the things that I'm looking to do. We know that the Woodlot has been somewhat of a, a headline. Yeah. Um and as you just mentioned, do you feel that this is like the next evolution? You know, you look at the CARES Act, ARPA, this is yet another iteration of, you know, of trying to move forward with the county? Absolutely. So one of the big things that I, I think with the Woodlock, Kevin, that we've, um, you know, when I was elected, I, I had identified this early on uh, as a, a potential opportunity. I work in real estate professionally, um, a good opportunity to derive revenue for the county. Well, realty? Boom Reality, yes. I don't do free plugs. Um, <laughs> Corey, you owe, you owe Tachi Talk, the, the, the side podcast. Um, but, but I looked at the Woodlot as a potential opportunity for development for revenue for the county. Um, and to that end, knowing that the county right now operates best when it's serving the 27 communities, I was proud last year to negotiate 12% of gross profit revenue, 12% uh, gro of the gross profit from the uh, Woodlot project of that 12%, 3% is guaranteed to go to the to the communities. So negotiating a revenue stream that's going to go to the 27 communities in Plymouth County was important to me to be able to demonstrate to them that this is a county project on county land that's going to benefit the county as a whole, but also uh, negotiating 9% for Plymouth County. As I've talked about, certainly we need some state assistance in being able to get the county some of the resources that we want and need for it to be able to be successful. But on the flip side, there's also an opportunity here to create a revenue stream that is sustainable. Right now, Plymouth County is in great shape because we've been serving our communities with ARPA, but ARPA runs out. What becomes the next thing that, that, is, that makes Plymouth County tick and makes Plymouth County go? We've identified, at least myself and I think my colleagues agree, can't speak for them, but they've voted for this uh, mm -hmm. the whole way. Uh, we've identified the Woodlot project as that potential revenue source for the county. It's important to remember um, one of my my predecessor's predecessors, I think, is your next guest, and he might be here early. Uh, the budget when he was a commissioner... He's trying to be incognito, but that's okay. I yeah. know. I'm outing him only because it's relevant. He, when he was a commissioner, the budget for the county was approximately $10 million. The budget for the county this year was approximately $10 million. It's about $12 million. Yeah. I don't know of any government entity in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts that has only grown $2 million in the last 12 years, and yeah. I'm not... I'm not lamenting that we make it work um but i think there are so many services that we do whether it be plymouth county 4-h i know christine had an interview with our entomologist blake uh, a couple of days ago I, I listened to um the burn grant the jag uh, jag burn grant the vehicle bid we still own those courthouses plymouth not plymouth i always say plymouth we own the courthouses in wareham brockton and hingham registry of deeds in plymouth and brockton uh the county has assets the county does have services it provides that 
needs a little bit more funding. Right now, the we're, costs go up. The costs go up. Uh, and I really have to give such a shout out to our staff, to Frank Bazar, our administrator, Molly Volmer, uh, John Buckley, Register of Deeds, elected, not staff, uh, Doug Wedge, uh, all our department heads and every single person that gets up every day and goes to work for Plymouth County. They work extremely hard. And in no way is Plymouth County government the largest that is some of these other town and state government. So um, so the point of the Woodlaw project is to find that revenue to expand things like 4-H, to potentially bring in maybe a regional grant writer for these communities. I've had others approach us about doing a regional visiting nurse because a lot of towns aren't able to pay enough to have one on staff themselves. Right. These are all things we would love to do. Can't do it without money. And um, and that's what we're hopefully, my goal at least is to is improve and get the county's financial standing. We're in good shape. We're in great shape, actually. Um, but it's to get us in a position where we can stop providing regional services to save taxpayers money. We're going to do now is we're going to push the pause button on our conversation. As I had stated at the end of, of last year, uh, coming into 2023, the idea is to expand our conversations yeah. to folks who are in the many municipalities that can are within listening distance to maybe have you on every... Well, you're on... I, I see you as almost like my uh, utility... You know, my, my utility player on the bench. I'm your switch. I can talk mu- I can talk about music. I yep. can talk about Tom Brady yep. and football. All of it. Politics. But I'd like to have History. A, a continued conversation. Yeah, I would love about to. three or four weeks. For we sure. Pick up where we're talking about the woodlot, where things have progressed, and so Absolutely. many other different things. And uh, are you going gonna, gonna to head off and wish your... Uh, I'm going to get my, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers phone thing on. I'm making a bold prediction. Bucks are going to win tonight. I think you might be Bucks right. will win tonight. I think it's going to be a close game, though. It's going to be a diff. We'll it, it, it will be. Hey, they be close McCarthy, that weekend. You, if, if, if he always chokes. He, well, here's the thing, though, is if he loses this game, I'm sure that tomorrow morning he will be no longer employed. Why would they hire him? He ruined Aaron Rodgers. Why would they hire him to ruin Dak Prescott? I don't get it. Com- you don't bet against Brady in primetime. Exactly. See, Tony O'Brien knows. Commissioner Tony O'Brien, O'Brien knows. knows. <laughs> Pull that microphone off. <laughs> We're going to step aside. As always, Commissioner. Thank uh, you, Kevin. Uh, Pleasure to be here as always. Thank you. Don't forget to tune in uh, every Wednesday from 6.15 to 7, the JV team. But right now, you're tuned in Monday Night Talk. We're going to step aside when we come back. More Monday Night Talk. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio, featuring Chris Latond, Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. Each year, about one out of two men and one out of three women will develop cancer. But there's good news. Today's cancer survival odds are much better than two or even three years ago. Things move that fast. So if you're diagnosed, be sure to have someone in your corner who is on top of all the latest cancer treatments and techniques, the latest research, the newest equipment, all the newest medicines available through clinical trials. And speaking of corners, here's more good news. Advanced Cancer Care is now just around the corner. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare treats patients locally with all oncology services and specialties conveniently housed under one roof. The center is affiliated with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, so you'll be seen by Harvard medical faculty physicians and oncologists. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare, in affiliation with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Cancer has just met its match. Find out why at mysignaturecare.org slash cancer care. 
Monday Night Talk on Twitter. Start at 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And don't forget to add hashtag Monday Night Talk to your tweets. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, we are back. We can we thank uh, Jared Valenzuela. Kind of, uh, bleeding into uh, our next guest time, but uh, again, good conversation. <coughs> That's what we're about here, is just trying to bring good conversation, things that are timely, things that are happening in and around, and, and maybe some fun items. Uh, joining me is a gentleman who I, it seems like usually the quintessential holidays I like to have been. It's just by, it's by coincidence that he's in. Uh, I happen to see a, a fundraiser uh-huh. for uh, January 28th at the Whitman VFW Post 697. Uh, on Bedford Street, it's Bed- no, no, no. Ex- is it Essex Street? Essex, yes, sir. Essex Street, uh, with some a fantastic lineup of individuals. Mm. And so I reached out to a gentleman who is a a, a retired Navy SEAL, <coughs> a a proud veteran, uh, somebody who's usually in the know with a lot of these things. Uh, Tony O'Brien, and so here he sits. He joins us. Uh, and he's going to kind of give us details. He actually was doing some work in the background to see if we could secure, yeah, secure some. But, uh, but uh, in, in the end, it's this one guy who can talk and who can talk <laughs> knowledgeable. It's Tony O'Brien. Well, Valenzuela is pretty talkative. He's all right. Yeah, Jared does, a, does an excellent job. He does do an excellent job, not just with uh, he's a, he's the a, media he's stuff. A great but order. Also in the commissioner's office. Uh, I, I, th- I think they're doing a super job. Um, they really are. Uh, they've uh, really and the, and the progress they've made with all that funding and everything was just uh, a great call um, and great management. The whole team, um, give them credit. It didn't come without its lumps. Uh, no, but you know, it, and it's so funny because we went through this. I think I heard you guys talking about it a little bit, but I don't know, ten years ago, whatever it was, when we, there, there there was a movement to get rid of the county government. And, and and so much, well, hold on a second. I mean, so much so, you'll recall, there was like a charter commission yeah. committee thing. Yeah. This thing was on the ballot. Yep. And not just not just a few dozen people stepped forward and said, we really want to, you know, investigate this, see if it's doable to, to get rid of the county government. And then it put it on the ballot, and all the voters said, no, we want to keep it. And, and yet, you know, and I love the radio station. Shout out again to Jared, who preceded us here, but also to Christine. She's always incredibly thoughtful and gets a hold of me at various times of the year to come on and be a, a guest speaker for something that's going on Veterans Day most recently. Um, but um, it, it, it's kind of become a little bit of a little bit of a joke, okay? But I think there's still some half seriousness here, as there as there is a lot with a lot of st- stuff going on um, in various media outlets, and that's and that's fine. I, you want to have fun? I'll have fun all day. You want to work? Let's go. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you can do both at the same time, and and still move the ball forward and help as many people as possible. But um, you know this whole thing about getting rid of county government, and it's like I I thought that ship had sailed with the charter commission thing. I forget how many years ago it was, but it was it was at the end of my uh, near the end of my four years, and uh, we really we really had a lot of meetings over that whole thing, and really did a lot of work on it. Um, and at the end, the folks said, "Hey, um, okay, whatever you think, fine, but you're in the minority." And uh, move on. Um, and and, and the stuff. long list, he only covered some of it, by the way, because he's going off the top of his head. I don't see any notes in front of him, but because I'm here in the studio where he was just sitting. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's a long list of things that the county does. Um, no question about it. Um, he touched on some of them. Some of them are very undervalued and, and, and uh, don't get enough credit. The 4-H program's incredible. I mean, would I go to this stuff. If the county went away, then you would, ex- then you would have to ha- expect the state to pick up 
Yeah, to, that's to how pick, it goes. To pick up some it's, of those Because it's been done in the services. state before. Yeah. Um, here in the state and other states. But anyways. Anyways. Um, on our event, I appreciate your... Uh, you're introducing me and, and willing and willingness to talk about the event. Yeah, I would not have surprised. I would not have surprised me if, if Steve was here. So I was kind of prepared for that in my mind too. Well, St- he's, Steve uh, Sweeney, he's formerly of uh, Sweeney Malone. Yeah, they used to do Tuesday nights. Great show. Love, used to listen. It was an interesting show. They, uh, they had a pretty good run. I mean, several they, years. Well, and not, they moved on once they they had moved on from here. They did the, the Herald Radio. I don't know if they're still doing. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they did. They had a they had oh, a cool. spot at Herald Radio. I don't know what 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 has become of them these days. Yeah, I know Steve's back out and promoting uh, some of the stuff he's doing. Whether it's it shows he was just headlining in Vegas. Well, I think he had a film that he did that was kind of, it was like you had multiple Steve Sweeney's. He is a massive star in this region with regards to performing arts, and uh, how can you not love that? Yeah, uh, the Family Brothers liked him so much. Let's not forget he was in... Yeah, talk about funny. They're all funny. I mean... You know, something about Mary, you know? Who's I, the, I think he was the... Uh, he and Lenny Clark. Another great uh, comic. Huh? Yeah. Super. I actually, I, I don't, I don't talk about this, but it's in context. Back when I was in the early '90s, I was a SEAL Team Five in San Diego, and I actually did. Um, they had a great show, uh, a great uh, business out there. Comedy, comedy, comedy. What the heck was it? Comedy stop, comedy shop, something out there in La Jolla, which is spelled La Jolla. But it's pronounced La Jolla, and um, I actually did a couple amateur uh, shows where you they, on Monday nights when the place was dead, they'd line up all the amateurs. Like an open mic, exactly. They'd give they'd give you a minimum of two minutes. If you're good, they'd give you to five minutes. The manager would be in the back with a red lens flashlight. <laughs> He'd be flashing if if a your five minutes were up, but b you were terrible. Um, and although sometimes the terrible ones can be probably funny too, um, in 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 a, in a weird way, but still. Um, and I actually did a couple shows and wrote some material and memorized it. Did and you really? really? Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, once in a while, I do some stuff with my kids, of course, uh, Smoochie and Meatball, uh, nine and eleven, doing great. How do they? Um, how do they take sh- that, that? Those nicknames? They 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 take them in stride and they're like, Dad, don't call me that. No, 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 no. no they're totally cool. Yeah, Smooch is uh, is becoming a. They're both becoming great skiers. Uh, we, we love the winter and and skiing around here and watch you sitting up in New Hampshire a little bit. Um, but. Uh, yeah, they're doing great. Anthony's playing. He's playing uh, baseball. Also, the grades are good. Behavior's good. So we'll do everything we can for him. I know for for a, a bit that your uh, one of your sons was was dealing with medical issues. Has that yeah. has that ship? Uh, no, it's still he had he had the surgery, which was remarkable. Uh, shout out to the Boston Children's Hospital team that did just an unbelievable job in the uh, ortho surgery. Um, and. Um, uh, they did a super job, and he still has to wear his brace. Um, and you know, we're watching that thing develop, and he likely will have another surgery uh, in a few years. But um, it's not holding him back. He just had a great uh, last year, had a great season in soccer, then another great season in baseball. So uh, he's a tough little kid. Were you this active as a kid? Were you? Were you growing up on the north side of Brockton? Um, I, I have to, you know, you want your kids to be better than you. Um, I was not a, I mean, yeah, north side of Brockton, of course, uh, went to Spelman, um, and uh, uh, not as good an athlete um, as either one of them at their age. Uh, they will both be better athletes than me. I, I ended up trying out uh, for sports and not doing well and pivoted to performing arts and got into theater. 
um, Ed Spellman was in all the shows and loved it. Um, and it really was a development of my more outgoing personality than before I had gotten into it. Um, and and I'll bet I'll bet folks like Steve and Lenny and all these comics mm. can can tell you some moment back in back in their day that was pivotal. Whether it be a coach, um, when, you know, my Bob McEwen was the the theater director at uh, at Spellman, and he was really the one that pulled the outgoingness that I have out of my personality that I did not have and he used performing arts and singing and dancing and acting to do that for me. So although the pivot from sports was frustrating and disappointing because every boy wants to be a sports star, um, it ended up working out pretty good for me. And so are you I trying to say you're Tony O'Brien, the triple threat? He can sing, he can dance, he can act. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about how well, but uh, okay. hey, get asked to do the national anthem every now and then and it goes pretty well. Not bad. Yeah. So BF Comedy and Upper Entertainment presents Comedy Night Saturday, January 28th. Yes. Doors open at 7. Show will start promptly, promptly at 8 p.m. You got Jason Merrill. I know Andrea Henry. I actually have interviewed her a couple of times. Really? She actually, I want to say that she was on a national TV show. Love female comics. She was on a national TV show about that funniest mom. I, and I interviewed her um, about it and talked with her about it. Uh, dry sense of humor. Like a Stephen Wright esque. That's how I would describe it. Really? Her. Oh so yeah. Kind of intellectual. Yeah, she's 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 good. Um, nice. And if you met her in person, she's kind of like a, like a, she's got like a nervous energy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, so she's on this. Looking forward to it. Um, and again, headlined by Steve Sweeney. Yeah. Uh, and Whitman. And Whitman. Come on. Tickets are twenty five dollars. Um. Talk to me as far as where the proceeds, where some of the proceeds will go. Well, first of all, of course, the the, the, the BF Comedy uh, operation and the, and their contact information is B as in boy, uh, F as in Frank Comedy, BF Comedy at Comcast.net. Um, and their phone number is 781-915-4980. If you, if you, if you, if you want to call me, that's fine. My phone number is all over the place. My personal website, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. Um, please text, call anytime, and I'll hook you up with the info. Um, only $25 a head. We'll have snacks. Of course, uh, we'll have a couple bars open. Um, the, the, the Women VFW is a big hall. Um, one of the biggest in the region. Um, and... Uh, what do we have? I, th I think we've got something like uh, almost 300 seating. Okay. Um, and from what I'm told by George, who is our member of the board and quartermaster, which is our finance treasurer or whatever you feel better with, regards to uh, an officer at the uh, at the business that is the Whitman DVFW, as well as our patriot pro patriotic programs that we do, of course, that the community is very familiar with. Um, and uh, we have 300 seats and... Uh, I, I think we've got at least 200 tickets sold. Um, the show is, as you said, Saturday the 28th, so that's in like uh, almost two weeks, mm -hmm. uh, a week from this coming Saturday. Yeah. It's Martin Luther King Day. Well, you have a lot, of, a lot of lead time, so folks can play yeah, accordingly. Yeah. Um, but we will have we've, we've, tickets are selling and selling well, um, uh, including tables, uh, tables of I think it's eight or ten or something like yep. that. Um, we've got a, uh, a table for veterans because um, it's it's the VFW, um, and so anybody who wants to get a hold of us, please do so. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be a fun show. The VFW is a very large property, a huge parking lot. Um, anybody needs a, a big hall for functions? We've got the big hall upstairs that we've been describing, as well as downstairs for a hundred for a smaller event. The pavilion is huge. I, the pavilion seats like something like two hundred also. Yeah, yeah. Um, massive parking lot. We have. A lot of uh, uh, events there with car shows and motorcycle sh motorcycle events. Hobart Park property. It, it, it really is a gorgeous property. It yeah, is, it's, it it's a great view. Uh, that way, you got that new police station in one direction. You got the rotary on the Abington line um, in the in the other direction. It's uh, it's a great spot. 
Anything else we wanted to mention in regards to this, either this particular show? Well, your, your question was on uh, on funding, and of course, the company's going to make some money, of course, for these folks. Um, although I know they do charity work, work etc. Um, uh, there'll be a push also for uh, veterans programs, and of course, we've got the proceeds that are going to the establishment um, for uh, refreshments, etc. So, uh, we've got tons of veterans programs going on all the time, mostly helping our veterans in need, um, but also representing veterans in the community. And, uh, you know, there are costs that come with that, and, um, and the funding will go towards that we we are kind of because we're we're lucky to be such a big operation we've got a duty to be more regional um and so we are uh, there's not a vfw in every town um so uh we uh, do a lot of work with other groups too american legion dav etc as, as somebody who has served his country proudly and knowing that there were there are others who previously were not greeted as warmly mm. after this service uh looking at today here we are 2023 do you feel that enough is being done for our veterans, those who have those who have served? Maybe you know, maybe not so much the ones who have recently served, but those who have you know, we're we're seeing a, a dwindling number of World War II vets, Korea, Vietnam, uh, Iraq. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, I do. Which doesn't mean we don't have battles to still fight in you know congresses and state houses, etc. But I, I would I would caveat that, especially in this state, um, I've seen Dem- we 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 have seen Democrat administrations, Republican administrations, um, and then all the way down the line, state reps, uh, the town levels, the county level. Jared was is, was well representing here tonight, um, who are really really supportive of veterans and programs, recognition and benefits. Um, and I can't tell them thank you. We, we get a lot of thank you for your service. Uh, we can't do it without their support, so thank you for your support. And again, uh, as we get ready to close out this mm-hmm. segment, uh, Tony, I thank you so much for, for being here as a commie night. That's why uh, Tony was here. Yep. Uh, it's going to be January uh, 28th. 28th. Uh, the number to call for tickets, 781-915-4980. Perfect. Tickets are $25. Uh, if you want more info, BFB as in boy, F as in Frank, comedy at Comcast Net. Tony? Thank you to Steve Sweeney and his whole team for having having this event for us. Indeed, and uh, next time we'll try to get Steve in the studio. That'd be funny. Yeah. Excellent. There he is, Tony Thanks, O'Brien. Sir. We're going to step aside. Our number two is straight ahead here on 95.9 WATD. You're tuned in to Monday Night Talk. Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com. And with your smart speaker, just by saying play WATD. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. Dad, you know I'm willing to drive. Honey, we're all set here. But your eyes, you even say so yourself, don't like driving at night. Well, that's why I'm following the plow. But that's a sander, Dad. You know what they say. It pays to stay way back. It pays to stay way back. Oh! Too late. I'm Peter Brown of Tiny and Sons Auto Glass in Pembroke. It pays to stay way back. However, if your windshield is broken, just call. 
1-888-64-TINIES. And thank you. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. Don't just listen, say something. Call 781-837-4900. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. We return for the second hour of Monday Night Talk. Right now is a, a, a regular guest that we have here on this, uh, this program. Uh, and usually right around this time of year, I love having him on. I love having his perspective. Um, he's more so a solo uh, act this wow. evening. And I say that, and I said it because normally we have, there's a, another good friend of ours that is added into the mix, yeah. Numi Rito. Um, But I wanted to have uh, the good Bishop on, Bishop Tony Branch, who I love having on and talking, a uh, friend, colleague, somebody who wears many a hat. Uh, not only is he a radio personnel, uh, personality himself uh, down at the uh, WVBF, in Taunton, he also is uh, on the uh, the Southeastern Regional School Committee. He's also, do you see, the first president of the Brockton area branch of the NAACP? Is that correct? I, I, I am the first vice president, yes. Yes, and, oh, vice, first vice president. Vice That's president. okay. And then uh, he also chairs the Commission on Diversity in the City of Champion, Champions, Brockton. So the thought is to have uh, this gentleman who who he understands in regards to the good doctor. He understands the the good fight when it comes yeah. to things, equity, being equal, um, and what we still are going through in regards to uh, systematic racism yeah. and and the fight for equality. Um, here we are, you know, uh, on uh, the the tail end of the good doctor's uh holiday uh dr martin luther king jr day yeah um well first before before we get into the good doctor how are you and and how are things going uh for you in in your many roles uh for me uh things are going actually quite well uh, as you are, are aware that uh uh winning re-election going into my third term at southeastern regional uh I think in nearly seven and a half years and initially pointed uh, when we lost uh, Wayne McAllister. And I've since been elected twice. The uh, first African-American chair of a regional uh, school committee in the Commonwealth. Uh, we've now turned over uh, uh, the um, the gavel uh, to um, uh, Christine Gaz. But I, th- I think that, you know, this work is hard work. And when I say hard work, Kevin, uh, and thinking Thank you for having me uh, on here, and I and I miss uh, newbie. Uh, I, you know, it's hard work, and uh, you don't have a lot of friends uh, in the business of civil rights. You don't have a lot of friends in the business of human rights because often it requires uh, critique, it requires criticism, uh, and it requires a, a a level of really wanting people to get down into the ditches to figure out how are we going to improve uh, our condition in America? Now, wait a minute. I'm not saying that we haven't, uh, but we have run into some pretty uh, strong um, advocacies, and this is true, uh, against this country, uh, you know, really representing the fact that we are becoming a brown nation. And 
I don't know what to tell folks other than to say that we can do it. You know, often when I'm speaking to groups, I talk about us being neighbors of one another. And that's very important. And and as we come into the season of Dr. King, which quite frankly, Kevin, shouldn't be a season or month or week. It should be an ongoing ritual in America. You know, we we often talk about uh, I have a dream, uh, but we don't talk about the work that has to be a part of that dream, the, the, the work that has caused the need for the dream. We don't talk about that. And I think that we need to have these conversations. And quite frankly, Kevin, they're going to be tough conversations. One of the things that I've have done in training folks on EDI, equity, diversity, and inclusion, uh, the old marker being DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I believe in the model uh, that uh, Boston, Brockton Public Schools has adopted. I think you got to first deal with equity. You got to make sure that everybody has equal access uh, programmatically, uh, as a matter of policy, uh, as a matter of the mission of the particular organization. With that said, uh, I, I, you know, I, I tell folks, don't look as me as the, and I, and I said this when I joined the school committee seven years ago, please don't look at me as, as the black representative on the school committee. Look at me as a member of this body that wants to do the best in terms of moving that achievement gap uh, in the direction where all children, all young adults uh, have that equity and equality that we all know that we can have. We're the richest nation on earth. When we want to do things, we can get things done. But I think, Kevin, we we run into this. Let the black guy talk about it. Let the, the black vice president of diversity talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact remains, we know from our DNA, Kevin, we are cousins of each other. This is a human condition. I hate to use the word race. This is a human race. Well, and actually- if I could just, if I could jump in here, <laughs> anybody who follows the, the good Bible, it started out with two. Yes. It started out with two. Come on it- now. So so we are not disconnected. Yes. And, and, you know, I know people, you know, say, no, nah, well, you know, we have the power struggle. We can't give them the power. Listen, this country will not survive. This republic will not survive if we maintain institutionalized racism. I need to make that absolutely we're not going to survive. And one of the things that I speak about often, especially when I'm working with some of the young adults, I when I'm working with young adults, you go into the room or they come into uh, uh, a conference on, uh, say, gun violence. You look at the young adults in America today, whether it's here in the Commonwealth across the state, across the country, they are talking to each other regardless of race. Mm-hmm. They are dating each other, regardless of race. So the kids are getting it. <laughs> it's 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 kind of it's kind of like the eighty plus. Uh, with all due respect, it's kind of like some of our our, our folks uh, in a different age range uh, on a political spectrum that have not accepted the fact that America has. Change. You know, Dr. King talked about it. I read this quote all the He said, the unearthed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. But has that happened? That that's what we're trying to achieve. But has that happened? I'm sorry, Kevin. I can keep going on. No, no, no. It's no, it's it's an, it's an excellent point brought up by you. 
And if I can uh, throw out another another quote from uh, uh, the good doctor's speech, we must learn to live together as brothers, or we will perish together as fools. The neighbor, the neighborly love that that I broached on a minute ago. Yeah. How are we going to get there? Uh, I mean, you look at okay. So we're looking at sixty years ago. I have a dream speech. Mm-hmm. Since then, we're looking at movement in terms of civil rights laws. Since then, we're, we know that we've had the election of President Barack Obama, mixed-race president. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. I mean, let's be clear on that. It, it, it may not be important to some, but it is important. A mixed-race president, African-American wife, uh, eight years of no significant controversy other than what happened with that Harvard University police officer. And then we trans we transition into people in the country, uh, and, and you can you can we can talk about uh, President Trump respectfully. Uh, you looked at he he touched on, <laughs> oh, as my grandmother would have said, would say he. I, it reminds us, and and I have had this conversation with my grandma. It reminds us of how it what they call what black people always say how it used to be, uh, because we want the nation. Uh, to survive. We want the Republic to survive. So we talk in the, the vernacular of how it used to be. But Trump reminded us of it, it wasn't so far, far, uh, far away of uh, the segregation existed. And the people had very strong feelings with respect to uh, migrants, with respect to black people, with respect to my Jewish family. Uh, so people have, have had some very strong feelings. Why can a president why can a president, a national leader, touch that nerve and have the explosiveness that we've seen, especially when you come into January, January 6th? So for me, it's it's about I want to go into, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm a Pentecostal. But listen, I'll go into the bar and I'll have that conversation with my white cousin to try to figure out how we improve the mindset of our nation that you no longer, and people are mad at me. I'm telling you, black people are mad at me when I say this. I say the mindset of saying that Kevin is not a white Italian American, but he isn't. When are we going to get to the mindset that you see Bishop Branch, not as the African American member of a school committee, the black guy that does the, Chair of the when are we going to get to? Hey, Kevin, I feel good about being an American today. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not appreciating any uh, dismantlement of the flag or disrespecting the flag. Well, well, can, can can I be comfortable enough to tell you, based upon what Dr. King saying in terms of triumph, that I, I don't think Dr. King would have taken a knee. Now, now people are going to be mad at me when they hear this. I'm being respectful. I don't think Dr. King would have taken a knee. I think that what we have to understand is that we can send out the message, but we have to send out the message in such a way that if you are intentionally trying to touch somebody's nerve, that may move the needle the wrong way. In, in terms of being successful, what am I saying to you? I'm not walking in a bar. I'm not walking in 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 a sports arena, yelling racism, racism, racism. Right. But what I'm willing to tell you is that I am a black American that got pulled over 
several times because of my car. I've got accosted out. And I'm going to tell you what my experience is. And let me tell you what I found out from my white cousins. When you tell them these stories, they connect. When they go through the reasoning of why this occurred, what well, well, Bishop, did you, what was on your traffic light? No, mm. there was not an issue with my traffic signal. There was not an issue with my car being disrepair. There was no expired inspection sticker. I was just driving through the wrong community. They get it. Kevin, I need to have those sort of conversations. That's what America needs to do. Again, if you are just tuning in uh, to this um, uh, Monday night talk show, this is a special Monday night talk show, especially the, 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 uh, this segment itself. Uh, and I'm privileged to have a uh, Bishop Tony branch, uh, be here to have this conversation. We have it every year. Of course, we sometimes hope that things are, there's a, the needle is moving the right way, the right direction. Yeah, we can't, are, yeah. There's, right. there's betterment per se. Um, but Bishop, I want to ask you, can we talk a little bit about, about the man, the civil rights leader, we talk a little bit about his wow. legacy and 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 I know wow. I know you can't encapsulate it in a in a a simple right. response but you know it you know to maybe the folks who may not you know realize beyond a quote or a simple speech that the good doctor was yeah, known right. for not necessarily his efforts and his work so dr king as you know was a young man and he saw an injustice with the Montgomery uh, bus line, and he took that opportunity to seek equality and racial justice on some of the basics of human rights. Uh, and I think that, you know, people seem to forget <laughs> that people like me were segregated here in America, uh, were required to simply uh, never to complain, but were required to sit in the back of bus and other transportation vehicles, uh, even even traveling on trains uh, in this country. And guess what, Kevin? It wasn't too long ago. My grandmother is still alive. It wasn't too long ago that I have oral history from my own family regarding this level of racial hostility simply because you're black. And when you look at that, uh, it, 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 it brings tears in your eyes. When you look at that, it uh, gives you a story of I had to be in my place. Dr. King wanted to take that stigma of us having to be in our place, having those equal rights to be at those countertops, having those equal rights to be with respect, uh, 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 being on public transportation. And so he led that fight. And we all know that it takes, I mean, this is biblical too. It takes the children, but so we all know that it takes this, 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 this fight from the young adults in order to uh, move the needle forward. And Dr. King was a part of that black liberation around uh, uh, the, the the buses, around all the public tra- around the schooling, uh, and those marches, you know, he led peaceful, loving marches. No rioting, was no breaking in the glasses or any of that stuff. And I know people criticize me, say, "Well, that's the old way of doing things." No, that was the right way, and remains the right way of doing it because we know, I know, 
that I can't go out here and have a riot and I'm going to defeat the Brockton Police Department. That doesn't actually make any sense. But in, in a nutshell, um, there is a, a mode of operation with respect to the civil rights movement, how we accomplished from marching to, to the courts. And, and I'm just asking that people learn the techniques so we can make successful strides to move that needle towards where it needs to be moved. And that's justice. That's justice for all. And one of the things we never talk about, really, we never talk about Dr. King. So, you know, he's noted as racial justice. But what everyone, but, but what some people seem to forget is that if you improve racial justice for African-Americans, it rolls, it rolls up and down and all around. It improves the conditions for everyone. And I think that's where the disconnect is at this particular point in our our, our essay on how to handle uh, the civil rights movement. This is what we're missing. That And I told you, I, I've said it, and I said it two weeks ago uh, on a show, uh, until you saw uh, the African-American issue, whether it's reparations, which scares the hell out of people, or whether it's whatever. Until you solve that issue, where nothing else is going to fall into place. So, with all due respect to other groups, uh, you know, you, you you may be wanting to skip the line, but you can't skip the line until you understand, uh, or you shouldn't be skipping the line until you understand the tragedy and the triumph of the civil rights movement here in America. There's a lot of work that was that was done. Absolutely, and and it's worth asking. Well, and I know they were already two thirds through our conversation here. Uh, it goes so fast, and and there's it's just you know it's a blip on the radar. But I, I think the, the conversation has to be held on a regular basis and expanded. Does the good doctor's work remain intact? Is it is it thriving, or is it fading? I'm going to tell you that uh, I had a conversation with someone last year. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I and I and I and I said this to a few people, where are uh, the Thurgood Marshall Juniors, the thirds, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth? Where are the Martin Luther Kings, uh, plural? Uh, and I think that that's what that's where African Americans are stuck. Uh, sure, we have politicians. Uh, uh, like uh, uh, Abrams uh, down south, and sure we have uh, Warren Warren in the Senate, but where I mean, can you imagine? That's only a couple of people mm. out of thirty million. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think that for me, and I'm glad you're asking the question. I don't know how to best answer that question, other than to say that folks that are on the ground that are trying to meet with groups, there remains a disconnect. On what's our next step forward? And I and I gave the example when people said, you know, it, it, again, because I catch hell from everybody, white, black, blue, green, no matter, because I'm going to be transparent. Mm-hmm. Yes, I get it. I get police misconduct. I know we need to work on it. But no, we cannot support the defunding of police that are required to be in these urban environments to protect grandmothers. It makes no sense. Where we get stuck is, is that when I've made that comment, people say, okay, well, we don't want to deal with you. Well, who are you going to be dealing with? So the movement becomes stagnant. Oh, well, if the NAACP doesn't agree with that, we don't want to deal with them. 
The movement becomes stagnant because we're unable to unify and to become one on five important movements. And the most important movement with respect to any group is economic empowerment. So I, you know, I'm preaching to the choir right now, but, you know, until we get together, uh, I don't see uh, a continuance of what he expected, what he expected from his dream. Because people talk about the dream, but they also don't talk about the other speeches Dr. King gave on Vietnam, economic empowerment, some of the stuff that touched the Nixon administration the wrong way. But again, you have to be a student of history and understand civil rights to have these sort of conversations. I definitely agree. What would you think the good doctor would say in regards to today's efforts in the area of equity, diversity, and inclusion? Do, do he feel as though that, you know, the, the seed that was planted, the 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 tree that's growing, that the different branches are starting to, you know, find ways to assist everybody mm-hmm. to be a part of have a seat at the table and have a voice. I'm, 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 you know, one of the things that people say in the legal world, world objection, I don't know the state of his mind, <laughs> but I, I, but I, but I will say this. I think Dr. King would say, thank you. Folks are all at the table, but I've read his other writings where he said, we need to go get our check. I think that Dr. King would see that there was a balancing act in in his movement, but the 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 course that started the Montgomery movement dealt with black people, dealt with the success of black people. The Poor People's Campaign, which was inclusive of both blacks and poor whites and Latins and everyone else, but still, where is the check for the black, the African American? that is well needed and deserved. So that's that economic empowerment. So we haven't given that true economic empowerment to the movement that, to based upon where the movement started, but we have spread it. So my point to you is Dr. King, movement, philosophy, the civil rights movement, philosophy, what President Johnson had done, it impacted more so lots of different groups, but did it hit its target, which was those that were birthed from enslavement in America, 400 years of freedom. I mean, 400 years of free free pay, not freedom. People mm-hmm. are like, see, see, the bishop said freedom. <laughs> ah! But 400 years uh, of, of, of no payment, but a flourishing economic environment that makes America, America today. People don't understand. It, we, we are America because we took some, we took, we took a land territory from the, from our natives mm-hmm. and our economic power uh, empowerment was built on the backs of slaves that were brought here. So that's the truth. That's not CRT. That's just what it is. Yeah, can that's we, another... But Kevin, can we have that conversation though? We, sh- we should. A... No, we should. We should well, have that conversation. You have a conversation without it being a fist fight. That's what I yeah. want to know. Well, that's true. Maybe we might have to have everybody on Zoom just so yeah, if they're gonna if they're gonna have a little bit of wow. uh, a flare up, they can you know take a take a poke at the the screen and not necessarily you know cause right. A, right. A, a a greater um, problem. Um, we just got uh, um, uh, two minutes left here. Oh, 
I want. I know it goes by so fast. Why does this always happen? It always happens. But I'm I'm willing to have this. If you want to come in on a quarterly basis and we we pick have different talk, topics, that are, love to love to have you in as a regular guest more so than just an annual thing or a yeah, couple. Of I understand. Things that are I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, well, again, you know, the microphone, I do my best to try to pass it around to so yeah. so many different issues and so many different topics um, because there's so much that, that makes the world go around and sometimes not as as uh, robust and as, as, as quiet. I don't know. It's race, re- not... race relations with Kevin Tachi. I like that already. <laughs> oh, can we talk a little bit about the um, – uh, the Brockton area branch of the NAACP's breakfast that's going to be yeah, coming up. Yeah, so so coming coming Saturday, uh, January twenty first, nine a.m. to twelve p.m. The Brockton area branch NAACP will be giving their thirty seventh annual thirty seventh annual MLK breakfast. Uh, our speaker will be nationally known civil rights uh, attorney, Rashawn Hall, Reverend Rashawn Hall. So we are going to have a great time in talking about the legacy of Dr. King. And and, and I believe our, our theme is uh, uh, achieve and believe. Uh, so I nice. think that we're just just going to have a good time. And, you know, it's normally normally packed. But if folks are interested in tickets, I don't mind giving my phone number of 617-755-3535. I'm their first vice president. And we want people to come out to celebrate uh, Dr. King. We consider it, it to be a, a celebration of human rights as well as civil rights. Uh, we don't see uh, a disconnection. So thank you for allowing me to give the plug. And uh, can we talk a little bit about Embrace? Or do we have- you have, you if, if you could just quickly touch upon the, the fantastic uh, so I- statue. Yeah, I hope folks were able to see Embrace in Boston, the statue of Dr. King uh, 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 with his hands embracing when he found out that he had won the Nobel Peace Prize, an awesome 22-foot bronze statue. Uh, But one of the things I said yesterday is what do we do beyond the bronze? Uh, How do we embrace each other? How do we have the same happiness when we're talking about love and joy and peace with respect to neighborly love here in the United States? There he is. Uh, He is Bishop Tony Branch. We are going to step aside for a brief moment, but I assure you when we come back, more Monday Night Talk right here in Lanny. is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Don't miss the Just Steph show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. I'm Mike McGurl with the Hull Life Saving Museum. Our mission is saving lives then, changing lives now. As told through our exhibits and programs on shipwrecks and life saving in Boston Harbor. We are located at 1117 Nantasket Avenue in the town of Hull. To get involved, please visit our website at hulllifesavingmuseum.org. Thank you, and please continue to support amazing nonprofit organizations on the South Shore. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome to the final segment of Monday Night Talk. Some would say the final segment is usually 
the best segment of this radio show. And we want to thank you for keeping your radio dial to uh, Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD on this Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, day. Hopefully you did some, some sort of service uh, in the good doctor's name. Uh, our guest today, and she's going to be our guest uh, for the foreseeable future. I see we've already kind of had a conversation as my mission for 2023 is to start featuring more of the voices in the communities that we serve in and around the South Shore. Maybe the voices that you're not, you don't normally, that you don't hear uh, every day. You're not hearing them on, you know, uh, local local news. You're not reading them in the local papers. You're not hearing about some of these stories because they're not they're not the major things, and it's not about, you know, what are the latest COVID numbers, and you know, it's not just you know. The simple things like that, that that are redundantly repeated. But these are some of the stories that, you know what, that not a lot of people know about unless they live in the city. They're part of the process of changing things. And joining me, she's been here before. She has been uh, on this radio program as a, a group of counselors from the city of champions, Brockton, Massachusetts, uh, joining us. She represents Ward 4 in the city of champions, but she also wields the gavel uh, for this legislative session uh, until December later this year. I'm talking about none other than Susan DeCastro, Counselor, Council President, Madam President. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. Thank you. Good evening. And just in case, folks, um, their memories aren't all that, they don't remember the last time when you were on, which was several months ago, Let, let's kind of give them a little bit of an intro and maybe uh, give you an uh, uh, opportunity just to share a little bit of your background that you, you know, use to assist and, and, and for the betterment of the city of Brockton. Thank you. Well, I'm a native of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yes, I do know many people who know Joe Biden, and I've met him myself. And um, I graduated from college in Scranton, and I came up to Massachusetts for law school. This year, it's 40 years since I graduated from law school, as amazing as that sounds. I practiced law for a number of years. My practice specialty is real estate and business and uh, state planning for those with very modest estates. Um, 33 years ago this year, I married my husband, a native of Brockton. And at that time, he was practicing law in Boston as well as working in a family business in Brockton. And we moved to Brockton. And I've lived on the same street in Brockton for all of these years. We lived in one house first, and then we moved next door to his dream house. Isn't he lucky he lives in his dream house? Amen. Um, I spent 20 years on the board of a a charity in Brockton called the Charity Guild, um, which operates a food pantry, a large, busy food pantry, and a thrift store in Brockton. I've raised two, two children, two sons. In Brockton, they've graduated from college. We survived. And they now, uh, one is in graduate school and one is working. Um, in the last, I also I also shepherded my mother. She lived with me for the last seven years of her life and died of dementia in 2010. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I learned so much. Um, I spent five years on the Brockton Planning Board and two years on the Brockton Zoning Board of Appeals. And after that time because of a number of things that were going on in Brockton, I decided to run for office. So uh, in 2015, I ran for 
counselor at large, mm. and I was beat by 116 votes by Councilor Winthrop Farwell, who I now serve with. Two years later, in 2017, I ran for Ward 4 counselor since the counselor, Paul Stadensky, was retiring, and I won. And I've represented Ward 4 since then. This is my sixth year representing Ward 4 on the Brockton City Council. So this is your, you are um, now the council president. Yes. And give us a little bit of a factoid about being a counselor, council president from Ward 4. Well, um, I did a lot of research and I, I met with I ate a lot of pizza. I, I met with a number of former city council presidents to get a real sense of what, what this job is. In the council chambers, I'm responsible for maintaining decorum and order. Um, there's Robert's Rules of Order, but we also have our own Rules of Order that are built into the ordinances. Outside of the chamber, there's a lot of stuff. I, I make the agenda for the finance committee and the council meetings. I assign orders to be sponsored by different counselors. I create the standing committees, and that's what I did the other night. We have 10 committees that we staff with counselors, and um, I had to place everyone on those, and boy, was that not easy. Um, in the mayor's absence, I serve as the acting mayor, and I want you to know the mayor is going to be at the National Mayor's Conference next week, so I guess I'll be in charge. That's fantastic. As frightening as that sounds. That is fantastic. Yes, but I, it is. But I think, you, I think you are ready because it hasn't been, you know, a, um, a, a when you serve as an elected official, you realize that there are going to be times that you may have a majority with you that will agree. You'll have residents that will be uh, with you and, and backing you. And then there might be certain initiatives that maybe folks aren't all on board, not, not all in agreement, and you have to find a way to navigate those waters. That's right. And it's not unlike being a lawyer or a mother, really, or a wife. These are all, you know, skills that you acquire over time. Um, I'm working on a lot already. It's only been a couple of days, but I had some ideas of what I wanted to do. And I'm just fortunate because Mayor Sullivan, he's a good mayor, in my opinion, and um you know, sometimes I can put a bug in his ear about something we need to do. And I did that recently. Um, at my suggestion, I can, I persuaded him to convene a meeting. Uh, it was like a round table. Um, the police chief, the fire chief, the deputy fire chief in, in charge of enforcement and prevention, um, the, the building commissioner, the, the DPW commissioner. I think, and they all agreed, our city could look a lot cleaner. It could. And and so um, we we decided to make a code enforcement task force to clean up the city, to address parking and traffic issues um, and to to address health concerns because the Board of Health was there, too. We just have to, you know, make the city better. Our one hundred and five thousand inhabitants deserve it. What are some of the what are some of the areas in the city that you feel should be targeted is there a consensus that there, you know, maybe to get a list, whether it's streets, whether it's certain neighborhoods, maybe it might be businesses that are an eyesore that have maybe one too vehicle, one too many vehicles that are parked on their lots. I don't know, but I mean, do you have a semblance of as to some areas that you would like to see cleaned up? And it could also be just, you know what, just general. You know what, if in the summertime, if you have weeds growing up in front of your, you know. 
don't let the grass grow until it's you know knee high. Cut that stuff. Well, it's so funny you should say that because I did. I have a little show on uh, Brockton Community Access, and it's called Facts on Four. It's the most nerve-wracking 10 minutes of my life whenever I do it. Um, and I actually did a, a story on that because, and I had pictures and everything, because it's just amazing to me how people can have a perfectly manicured lawn and then that little bit of land between the sidewalk and the curbing the is... They call it the what they call it the berm. They call it the something. It it could be a foot tall, and nobody does anything about Not it. My problem. And I did a lot of research on it, and I learned that in some countries, even in some states, it is the responsibility of the municipality or the state highway department, depending upon where it is. But in Massachusetts, it's the the responsibility of the property owner. Um, and so I showed pictures, and I. I said to people, you know, you don't want to get cited for a nuisance because Mm. that's what it can be. It makes such a difference. And I did notice in my ward that, excuse me, after that show, which they replayed a lot, a lot more people were cutting that area. So I felt like mission accomplished. But there's still so much more to do. Yes, there is. So so this is kind of maybe a key initiative as to ways to clean up the city, police the city. And, And you know what? Make it a, a, a better-looking yes. community. What are some other, whether they are issues, key issues that you want to see some movement on or something done, or maybe collectively with your colleagues on the city council, are, have there been some discussions as to what are some of our goals and what are some of the issues that we want to at least try to tackle and get some headway with? I think public safety you know, we're the only city in Plymouth County. Public safety is always a concern, and I think a lot of us are very concerned about it. Myself, I, uh, along with other council members, a couple of us have done this. I did a ride-along. I did an entire eight-hour shift with a terrific police officer in August on a Saturday night, a hot Saturday night. And I'm going to be doing another one next month. I pretty much committed to the police chief that I will do this every so often. It's an eye-opener. I have an idea. But knowing that I have a background in in video, in community access, I wonder if it's something that you could partner up with someone from Brock to Community Access to find a way to get a camera, and maybe, with the permission, of course, of the police chief and the officer that you're with, maybe you can maybe do a little vignette of your, you know, it could be from, you know, quick well-being checks at certain addresses to... You know, pulling into a local eatery and, you know, greeting some of the patrons. And, and, and it could be something that it could be a hit and also kind of give the residents an idea as to what their public safety um, uh, re- folks are doing. I think it's a great idea. I'd be willing to uh, pose it to our the executive director at BCA. You know, it was just it, it was an eye opener for me. Um the night that I rode along in August, there were two different suicide calls. Mm. And the the police officer that I rode with, I can't say enough about him. Um, he had been a social worker before he became a police officer, so he knew this stuff. And he talked this fellow down. And then we we followed the ambulance that they placed him in right to the hospital. The police officer would not let him go until he was actually in hospital control, put placed in a room. I mean, it was 
it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. And so many people don't know about the social problems that our police are handling. It's much, much more than crime. And I'm, I just think the world of them. I'm going to say this is I don't think that the public knows what both police officers have to deal with or firefighters. Mm -hmm. And you talk about the one side with with police officers and how they have to deal with some of the social problems. That's right. Same thing with with firefighters. I mean, firefighters are called as though they're if there's somebody who is lonely and they they want someone to talk to or, hey, I'm you know, I I'm not able to do this, but I need someone to help me install my air conditioning, could someone come help? And there are some fire departments that will tell you that they're called on for so many different things that are beyond just, you know, smoke smoke in the dwelling or a medical emergency. And so these, these individuals really, you know, they when they go out to a call, you know, it could be anything. It, you know, you're hoping that it's nothing that's major and it's not life-threatening. But, but you never know. You never know. That's right. It's very true. Very, very true. And so that's important to all of us. And I should tell you, um, two years ago now, I drafted the ordinance which created the City Council Standing Committee on Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. And we staffed that with five city councilors. They they will be having their first matter coming in front of them in January, and it's about creating a human rights commission, something that will be much broader than the diversity commission that we have now, cover more areas. Um, And I did a lot of the research for it to look at other gateway cities and other Massachusetts communities that have a human rights commission. I think it's Brockton is very worthy and very ready for something like this. So I'm very hopeful that a majority of counselors will agree. Again, if you're just tuning in, uh, we're uh, speaking with uh, Brockton City Council President uh, Susan DeCastro, who is here in studio chatting with me uh, as she has just uh, been sworn in uh, as a little as uh, a week ago. And uh, she's here to chat. Again, she's been here before. But uh, we have already made a pact that she's going to be a, a reoccurring guest on this particular show. Um, what other tidbits do we want to talk about when it comes to whether it's it's issues? We talked a little bit about, about cleanup. Um, would you say that economic development, other than public safety, is also another key issue? It's huge. That, yeah. It's huge. And we have a department planning and economic development. We... We do a lot of planning. I think a lot of uh, the planning skills of our our executive director in that department. We need a lot more economic development. You know, Brockton is a city, the only city in Plymouth County. I mm-hmm. just said it before. We're running out of land. And we're running out of, you know, there's so many businesses that require more land than we have Mm. and parking area. So we have to be a little mindful of that. I personally think we have a we have several great manufacturer, light manufacturers of food products. We have Cindy's Kitchen. We have Concord Foods um, come immediately come to mind. I would love to see us expand on that because we have a ready workforce for those kinds of work of jobs. Um, it could be very good for our city. You know, we we want to be a place where you can live and work and work too. Let's talk a little bit about um, housing. Let's you know. I know that one of the cornerstones of redeveloping the downtown corridor has been housing. Yes. Talk a little bit about that, and maybe any other new initiatives or partnerships that might be in the works. 
Housing. We've added quite a bit of housing, I think more than 100 units of it, to the downtown area. Um, you know, our downtown on different sides of it also has industrial and commercial space. And we recently, the ZBA recently changed the zoning of an industrial space on North Main Street um, to residential because there's a proposal to put up about, a, I think it's another 100 units. Um, and that is what, you know, as they say, this is what the market will bear. This is what the developers can get financing for. But I worry about that. I worry about changing uses like that. Um, commercial and industrial space is very important for balancing our tax rate. And so um, this year I'll be looking more into that. How can we bring more of those kinds of jobs into the city to stimulate that kind of business coming in? Now, what about – now? You and I had talked prior to, you know, sitting down and, and talking about some of these items here. Um, is there some a partnership that uh, will help a portion of your city? Um, and I believe that you had identified it's in the Campello area. Yes. I was very pleased last summer um, the Campello section of Brockton was accepted um, for an effort to – redevelop it in a sense or replan it. The Mass Housing Partnership has this program called Complete Neighborhoods, and its purpose is to create a walkable neighborhood near transit, jobs, and daily needs. And as you know, Brockton amazingly has three commuter rail stops on the line that uh, starts in Lakeville and ends up in Boston. Mm. That's just Great. And that is really helping with the redevelopment, the reimagining of our city. And so because one of them is in Campello, we're eligible for this. And it comes with money and it also comes with a planning process. And so I've been going to meetings like every other month with a planner from Mass Housing Partnership. Yesterday or two days ago, we met with architects and other people who this is what they do. They evaluate the city. They listen to what the steering committee says. I'm on the steering committee. And they're going to make a plan that within less than a year, we will have the option of following, you know, just like laying it all out, reimagining Campello. Most of Campello is in Ward 4. Some of it is in Ward 3. My Ward 3 counterpart, Mark D'Agostino, is also involved. It's exciting and it's great. It's worth noting. I, I know it's it's been a, many years in the making, but there was a time that the city did not have a city planner. And now... Now you have somebody who's able to, right. whether it's seeking grants or, or ideas to bring different innovative you know, uh, developments into the city. That's right. I have to give our planner, Rob May, his due. He came to us from Somerville. He's experienced. Uh, um, he knows what he's doing. He's got the relationships in Boston. That's and key. And there's a lot of good that he has done, a lot of positive change that he has brought. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you, not to, to change direction, but, you know, this is great. These are all great building blocks. And, again, the you know the revitalization of the city of Brockton. And I feel that, you know, it started under Deval Patrick. I feel that when you changed administrations to uh, Governor uh, Charlie Baker and Karen Polito, it continued. If anything, I think it it became even a stronger bond. Do you feel that that bond could continue to strengthen under the new administration of, of Healy and, and Kim Driscoll? Uh, I do. They, they both came quite a few times while they were running for office. 
Um, Kim Driscoll was the mayor of Salem. Salem has many similarities to Brockton, um, and she does know our mayor. Um, Mara Healy was our attorney general. Um, I, I do. I think we're going to be fine. I think we will be well represented by them. And we also have our delegation, uh, you know, in the House. And I, I think I think we're going to do very well. I really do. And I want us to. Um, I have a proposal for the delegation that I've been writing to them about. They have until Friday to submit proposed legislation. And, um, of course, we have, I have in Ward 4, a lot of seniors or close to seniors who are trying to age in place. In many instances, they own their homes. Their mortgages are paid off or nearly paid off. Maybe their children have moved on. They've launched their children. And they're enjoying living in their home. Brockton is a very convenient place to live in many respects. And um, maybe they're on a fixed income, they're on retirement. And what I'm finding is the abatements that are around for taxes, because our property taxes just went up, our values have been going up year after year because of the gentrification of parts, several districts in Boston. People are coming down to Brockton and, you know, and pushing up our values. That's good in many ways, but it's not good because we've got to pay increased taxes because of it. And what I've found is that the abatements that are available for seniors, for veterans. Not enough? They Well, they have, they have um, income ceilings that are too low. They haven't been raised in a long time. So your property values have gone up, but your income ceilings have not. And so I'm hoping to get our delegation interested in legislation to increase those ceilings. And with the ceilings, would this be something that would be universal in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts? Yes, it would. Okay. Yes, it would. And I would expect that, you know, other gateways, seniors in other gateway cities are having the same issues and challenges, actually across the 200 and some towns as well. And so I, I would expect they would garner a lot of support for this, and it will make a difference for a lot of people. Again, if you're just tuning in, uh, we got a great conversation going on right now with uh, Brockton City Council President Susan DeCastro, who is joining me in studio on this Martin Luther King Day, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day uh, holiday. And uh, talking talk about so many different things uh, about what's going on. Again, she's got the gavel, and uh, we look forward to having more conversations with her. Uh, I want to kind of just go change while we just have a couple of minutes left here. Um, we talked about housing. We talked about economic development. What about some other things that are ongoing, projects that are ongoing, uh, the exciting new public safety campus? I'm sure that um, both your police and fire chiefs and uh, the folks who are with BEMA and the IT department are very happy that they're going to have a central location that's going to be state-of-the-art. Can we talk about that and also anything that might be done regarding the high school? Yes. Um, the public safety campus will be wonderful. We we determined, and we've had a, a committee working on this. They've been meeting every Monday for Zoom meetings for several years. I think it's going on three years now. And the uh, the project has been bonded. An architect has done drawings, and we, we've acquired all the land by eminent domain. And we're close to taking down our old high school, which is more than 100 years old, mm. and building this new building. And I'm I'm so delighted. I don't know if you've ever been to our police station. It's a, an old cinder block building. Um, 
it's 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 really a disappointing place to ask people to work. It really is. It's uh, moist in the winter, in the summertime, and the wintertime, and they don't have enough ventilation. and And this will be so much better. What about the high school? Uh, I believe that you and I. Some of the, my notes that I have here is is that. The high school uh, could use some assistance as far as whether it's um, um, upkeep or, or rehabilitation. They they started submitting applications to uh, get the state board, and I'm not going to remember the name of that board, interested in financing the uh, renovations of the high school. And it's not unusual that your application is not accepted the first couple of times. And they placed the third application, and they recently, within the last two weeks, they heard that, yes, in fact, the state is going to work with them. And it, it's it's a huge undertaking, and the state will provide 80% of the financing, and we will pay 20%. Yes. And that means we will be putting up $20 million. It's a $100 million renovation project. I understand. I would have loved to have seen them build a new high school. Mm. I think our kids are worthy. But that would be almost double the cost. So we, as I said, we just got word very recently, right before Christmas, that they, the state was going to work with us, and everyone is delighted. Now, is this something that's going to be through the Mass School Building Authority? Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. And so 80%, that's fantastic because, yes. well, if you were to build a new high school, I would be curious as to what the percentage of monies that they would they would put in. I think it's probably somewhere in the mid-50s, mid mid-60s, compared to, I'm talking about if you were to build a new one, as compared to where you're going to have, you know, $80 million that the state's going to put towards rehabbing That's right. these buildings, which, which is fantastic. Well, it is. And I was in a meeting with the mayor and the superintendent, and I asked the question, how much would it be to build a new a new building? Mm. And the mayor or the superintendent said they had looked at that, and it's almost double, two hundred million dollars. Can you imagine? That's a lot of money. Our children are worth it. Amen. But you know, you have to you, you have to do your best. We just have a couple of moments left here okay. before we say goodbye. I, I know it's sad, but uh, the time flew, and Phil, we t- we covered a lot of ground. Anything that we haven't touched upon that you want to you want to at least mention or if folks want to find out more and, and reach out to you about any of these things we touched upon. Okay. I am involved in two organizations on the county level. The mayor appointed me as the city of Brockton's representative on the Plymouth County Advisory Board. This board, made up of people from um, every city and town in Plymouth County. WATD FM Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD, streaming online at 95.9WATD.com. And with your smart speaker, just by saying play WATD.